Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Barroom Network. I'm Salim Sarawala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schuller Jr. Edward, how's it going today, man? Hey, I'm doing really well today. Uh, Bulls media, like media day, is coming up this week, right? Or training camp starts this week, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so media day is tomorrow. Yes, training media day camp. is Monday. So by the time people are hearing this, yeah, we'll we'll have like a basically a storm of Bulls news and quotes and all that good stuff. 100%. Yeah, media. Like I said, media day tomorrow. Training camp is the 28th. We've already had a little bit news for the Bulls, not the best news. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, it was we were told that Patrick uh, Patrick Williams uh, is going to be out four to six weeks uh, because of a severe ankle injury, and then they then they retro um, or whatever they like. They said like he actually heard it on like the 15th. So it's from that four to six feet from the 15th. And then I guess people were saying that like a lot of people like Ricky O'Donnell and uh, Eric uh, Nem- Nemchuk, I think mm-hmm. I can't, I can't remember that's how you pronounce the last name, but I remember them saying, tweeting that they saw him at the game and then he wasn't limping. So maybe, maybe it's not as bad and he's healing and the, 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 prognosis of four to six weeks was just being overly cautious so we'll see i mean but you know with like i said with media day starting up and training camp coming around uh be good to have a good preview of the bulls and someone to do that with us today one of one of my favorite people and that covers sports uh, chicago sports in general uh very intelligent he is mr chicago sports in my opinion uh, David Kaplan, uh, Cap, how's it going this morning for you? It's a beautiful Sunday morning. I'm chopping it up with you guys, but I'm on my way to do Bears post game. You know, I was there the night the Cubs won. I was there when the Whites won, uh, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and to be there doing the game with Bull and Cruz, Alex Burn and Lance Briggs on the day Justin Fields makes his first NFL start in a Bears uniform, especially. Is going to be really cool today. Yeah, this could be a historic day for Chicago sports. I mean, depending on, I mean, I, I think Phil's going to crush it long term, but yeah, this is big, big day. But yeah, it, it's always great to have you, Cap. Good to be with you guys. 100%. Uh, yeah, so obviously all Chicago fans are, fans are excited about the Bears because Justin Fields is getting his first start. But the Bulls are doing some things, I have done some things, I should say, that really should get the fan base excited as well. So just to start off, what were your personal thoughts on uh, Arturis and Mark Eversley kind of 
with their off season and then maybe potentially even changing the reputation about the organization around the league? Well, they had a long, long way to go to get this thing back to solid ground. Look, John Paxson was a great basketball player. He was. His record as an executive was okay. Wasn't horrid, but it wasn't great. Gar Foreman's record for me was way worse. And when John stepped back, you know, people don't remember this or don't know this. So John had a son playing at Olivet Nazarene and he comes home one day and says, mom, dad, I've got something serious. I want to talk to you about everything I have in my life is because of you. Um, And I want to do something for myself. I'm leaving school. I'm enlisting in the Marines and I'm going to Afghanistan to fight for our country. And John's like, excuse me, you're giving up your college career to do this. And it, affected John as it would affect any parent. And I remember talking to him through those times, he stepped back a lot from a lot of the decision-making still did his job to the best of his ability. But he said, we would get an email. Hey, I'm going dark for six weeks, 30 days, whatever it is. And we're on a mission in Afghanistan. I'll be in touch. And he said, dude, you try going to sleep every night, not knowing what's going on with your kid in the middle of uh an all out war and he changed and John was just a different guy from that point forward because it put life in perspective. Well, the problem was the guy he handed the keys to, to run the bulls, I thought was a terrible general manager. I was not a Gar Foreman guy. Uh, I didn't think he was an honest dude to deal with and the bulls suffered because of it. Then John took the keys back tried to fix it too little, too late. And they made some bad draft picks, you know, Valentine, Denzel Valentine, 14th overall. Yeah, not a very good pick. Marcus Teague over Draymond Green when your head coach is begging you to draft Draymond Green, but you despise your head coach so much that you're going to push him out the door. And so you take a player who had no business being drafted in the first round and was out of the league, what, three years later? Mm-hmm. So there were some terrible, terrible decisions in the Gar Foreman regime, in my opinion. One of the things that John Paxson mentioned uh, recently that made headlines for Bulls fans is saying that he thought that his regime became stale and that they became they got really comfortable in their last couple of years uh, with the Bulls. And... I think one of the examples with this new regime that proves that is the efforts that they made in signing trades this offseason, especially when you look at the deal that they made to acquire Alonzo Ball. I think AK and Eversley got very creative managing the cap, and they the offseason they had isn't something that Bulls fans have ever experienced. So kind of moving to towards uh, Lonzo Ball for a minute. What did you think about how the Bulls acquired him? And what do you expect from Lonzo Ball uh, in his first season with the Chicago Bulls and how he fits with the team? Well, one of the things that I vehemently disagree with John Paxson on was they needed a point guard. I mean, you guys are basketball savants. I coached college. I scouted in the NBA. And the way I was raised... If you don't have a lead guard, you don't have a chance, period. Well, 
Derrick Rose was what I like to call a combo guard. He was an amazing scorer. He was a solid distributor. Wasn't the best defender, but they never, ever had a guy that had the ball in his hands and could attack downhill and make everybody better. Derek was a great player. There wasn't enough talent around Derek to win. Then he hurt the knee. That was it. And then they tried to do that last year with another combo guard in Kobe White, who is at this point. Can he change? Maybe. I believe you're born with a point guard mentality. Kobe White is a combo guard. He will have nights where that dude knocked down eight threes and you're like, wow, what a stud. And then he's going to have nights where he turns it over six times and he shoots two of nine from three. And you're like, what does that guy do? He's not overly athletic. He's not going to attack at the rim. So every year it was like, can you guys please go get a point guard? Last year in the draft, I remember having the conversation with AK on my show where I wanted them to take Tyrese Halliburton. That was my guy in the draft. Elite floor leader. He could score, but that dude understands my role is to make everybody better. And Arturis's explanation was, look, we loved him. He was right there on our draft board. But when we worked out Patrick Williams, we went 18 turning 19. That guy can be a grand slam home run when he's 24 years old. That means he's got you know, some real development ahead of him. But that means the Bulls have to put more resources into player development. Under John and Gar, player development was non-existent except the time that Tom Thibodeau was the coach. Think back to who Tom Thibodeau brought in as guards, DJ Augustine and some of these other guys that, yeah, they're going to be all right. Uh, CJ Watson, like, and all of a sudden, some of these guys developed into really good players. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler barely got off the bench as a rookie. Jimmy Butler's now one of the 15 best players in the NBA because Tibbs was all about development. Outside of that run, the Bulls did a lousy job in player development. In fact, I thought they did a piss poor job in player development. So this group has put more resources, more money. When they when Arturis took that job, he told Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf, I'll do this. It's not about what you're paying me. He's going to get a good salary to do that job. I need resources. And they said, you've got whatever you need. Fix it. And so that's what he's done. Yeah, hundred percent. He's been able to, so far at least, have pretty full, much full autonomy on on what to do with the roster, and that's that's been very important. And earlier, when I mentioned, like as far as changing the reputation of of the organization, a guy like guy like Mark Eversley was a big uh, part of this off season, as far as what he was able to do to recruit Demar Derozan. He was he's been. It was a pretty big get as far as surprising that the Bulls were able to go out and uh, make it work out that he he chose the Bulls to come here. Now, what I want to ask you about DeMar is how how did you like that addition to the team? And there's been a lot of hoopla about his his and Zach Levine's fit together. How do you see that fit uh, going into training camp and into the season? Well, that's where 
when you buy, as my partner Jonathan Hood likes to say, you shop at the top shelf for your coach. That's why you're paying that guy, Billy Donovan, the money that you're paying him. And he has got to figure out. That's why the signing uh, of Lonzo Ball, the signing trade was so important because now Zach Levine does not have to have the ball in his hands to initiate the offense. And then people say, uh, I don't know. He turned it over six times. Well, yeah, he didn't have a whole lot of help till Vucevic got here. He's trying to be a ball dominant guy attacking at the rim. Oh, by the way, we need you to score 28 points a game too. I mean, you're asking that guy to do an extraordinary amount of ball handling, passing. Oh, by the way, you're not good defensively. We need you better there, too. You need to have a freaking point guard that understands, yeah, if I have a shot, I'll take it. I can attack at the rim. I'll take it. But my job is to make sure I get DeMar DeRozan the ball where he could score with it. He's not a great three-point shooter. Now, that's something you can always improve on if you're willing to work at it. And player development plays a role there. But that guy can score. Zach Levine, how can I make you better, Zach? Where do you feel comfortable getting the ball? Is it getting you the ball at the three-point strike? Is it letting you go down to the block and post in particular situations? Tell me how I can make you better. That's why Lonzo Ball is getting $80 million. Because he is the key to the ignition and if his dad will stay out of the limelight because he's now back in a big market we know what he was like in LA they couldn't wait to move on we know what he was like in New Orleans you didn't hear from him you're coming back now to this is freaking Chicago Illinois home of Michael Jordan so if LeVar can stay in the background let Lonzo do his deal I think this team has a chance to take a real step forward. I'm not telling you they're going to go to the Easter Conference Finals. I'm not telling you they're going to win the NBA title. There's still more work that has to be done. That starts with Patrick Williams becoming a really, really good player. Kobe White understanding his role and then getting scoring where you can get it from Vucevic and from DeRozan and from Zach Levine. So we'll see how this all shakes out, but it looks radically different. I think you guys would agree. Salim and Edward than it did just 24 months ago. No, ab- absolutely it does. And to me, one of the most encouraging parts of this is that we now have clear, I, I, like a clear hierarchy, I think, in terms of one, two, three, four, you know, your best players. I think in the initial years of the rebuild, it was when Zach was coming back from ACL, it was, can Zach even be a number one? Can he be a number two? Can he be a number three? Then it was, can Lowry be a number two? Can he be a number three? Can Chris Dunn be this? Can he be that? It was hoping a lot of young guys could be something that they maybe weren't. And you look at what Bobby Portis did for Milwaukee. At one point, maybe we were thinking, hey, could Bobby Portis be a starting level guy? And maybe he's just better off as a energy bench guy who comes in for a contender and puts up points in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And he excelled in that role. So I, I think the the clearly defined roles is really going to help this team moving forward. And you mentioned Patrick Williams. How do you think that is going to help Patrick Williams this upcoming season? He's not going to be someone who's going to have the spotlight on him. He's the fifth best player in the starting lineup. So he can come in and play his role and there's no pressure on him to carry a team. So how do you see him doing 
this upcoming season with this new look Bulls team? Yeah, so this ankle injury, those are problematic. It's almost better if you have a broken ankle, it heals, let's go. Mm-hmm. When you sprain an ankle, you tear fibers in there. That is a big problem in a sport where you're cutting and jumping and pounding all season long. So that he has to make sure he's healed. But going into a lineup where Ball, Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, all the pressure should be off this guy. He should be able to take the court knowing, hey, I got to play lockdown defense. I got to do a better job getting to the glass. And when they shade over towards Zach or they double Vucevic inside or DeRozan attacks and kicks it to Patrick, I got to be ready to make that shot. I have to be able to score effectively, but not feel like, hey, man, I got to get 20 a game. Nope. Just do your job. Be a good defender. LeBron James talked openly last year. When that dude gets stronger and gets some seasoning, he is going to be a really tough handle for a lot of guys. Long arms. He continues to get stronger. People, you know, I heard fans, he couldn't even start at Florida State. Hold on a second. Go back and look. Leonard Hamilton doesn't start freshman. He plays 10, 11 guys. And Leonard Hamilton was on with us one day and said, if COVID doesn't hit and shut down the ACC tournament, he was going to be starting in the ACC tournament, period. He said that guy was quick. So it's going to take some time. He's got to just get healthy, keep getting stronger, and keep learning the system. Being the fifth guy is a great point, Edward. It mm. makes his life a whole lot pressure packed. Definitely, that him him being the fifth guy will will help as far as putting less pressure on the things that he can't do well yet, and then just kind of work on those things and develop in that regards. Um, so er- earlier, you mentioned Billy Donovan obviously getting paid a high level uh, of, as far as the coaching is con- his, his coaching contract is concerned and he's going to have to figure out how to get these guys to play together and play the right way now considering the Bulls schedule after like the first four game gets pretty tough do you think that if they don't start out well they're struggling that that could put Billy on the hot seat early on or do you think he's oh, going to really have no, okay. You got to remember what he took up. First of all, there's no more loyal group than the Reinsdorf. That's A. B, it does not matter what the record is. If they signed Billy to a five-year, $30 million contract. In year two, he took over a train wreck of a franchise that was in dire need of a repair. No. The only pressure that will be on Billy is the pressure Billy puts on himself you know the story goes i've known billy for a long 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 time he was an assistant coach at kentucky to rick patino when i first started dealing with this guy and i really really like him and so billy resigns as the okc coach money is not an issue he's made tens of millions of dollars and arturis calls his cell hey billy uh arturis karnashovas from the bulls I need to see you tomorrow. He said, that's impossible. 
I'm just packing my car. I'm driving back to Gainesville, Florida, where my family is. And I need a couple of weeks. I haven't seen my wife and kids because of COVID. We've been in this lockdown. He said, Billy, unfortunately, we don't have a couple of weeks. I need to see you. When will you be in Florida? Uh, I get back late Thursday night. I'll be there Friday. No, I need some time, AK. I, I, I haven't talked to my wife. Billy, we don't have time. That's one luxury we do not have. I need to see you on Friday. Okay, come on down. He literally flies down there in a pandemic, and they discuss everything about the franchise, how far away it is from truly getting that thing fixed. It needs an overhaul. And he says, I want you to be the coach. I know other jobs are going to open. How much? And they got a deal done that day. That's what a great executive does. You see something, bam, let's go get it. You don't know what phone call you get tonight as a general man. I remember working in, in Indiana as like the lowest level scout. And we had a guy named Donnie Walsh who also ran the Knicks. And he said, your phone could ring at one o'clock in the morning. And guess what? It's another GM. It's an agent. Hey, this is presenting itself, but you got to move fast. He said, some guys aren't willing to be able to pull the trigger that quickly. You got to be ready to move. Nobody knew Billy Donovan was going to be out. Two days later, who else came out? Doc Rivers. He wanted to be. Philadelphia all of a sudden is looking for a coach. They fire Brett Brown. Maybe they're going to try and hire Billy. Oh, God. Doc Rivers leaves. He wants Philly. Maybe Billy goes to L.A. You can't wait. You pounce. Hey, man. Here's a trade opportunity. I'm moving this dude, but it's going down now. You better have your ducks in a row. You better have your scouting already done. It's not like you get a call on Sunday at 1045 in the morning. Hey, guess what? So-and-so wants out. Are you interested? Oh, God. I got to scout him. I got to talk to him. No, that homework better all be done. You better know exactly who you're getting and what you're doing because those opportunities – can be gone in a flash. And that's why I like what they did to get Billy Donovan. That's that's one of the things that I like about this this regime is that it seems like when something is apparent, they act and they go all in on it and there's no hesitancy. And one of the examples, like you mentioned, with Billy Donovan is with Zach Levine. Zach Levine played really, really well last year. And while some were still speculating, uh, maybe there's a chance that they could trade Zach Levine while his value is high. Instead, they went and said, hey, we're going to build around him. Let's bring in players. Let's bring in Vooch. Uh, of course, all of the things this offseason with Lonzo Ball, now DeMar DeRozan. So it seems very clear that they are all in on Zach Levine. So in, in your opinion and from what you know, do you think that the Bulls next offseason when Zach Levine is eligible for a full five-year max, that they are going to give him that no questions asked, of course, barring some type of, you know, significant injury or some significant decline in play, but they're all in on Zach Levine in your opinion, right? Yes. If, if he plays this year at the level he played last year or something comparable, he's going to get paid. By not signing him now, you do you can use your bird rights next summer and go over the cap 
and not use cap room. If you had signed him now, he's going to get less money, A, but it's all guaranteed. B, you're using cap room. So the roster would look radically different. But this gives you a full year to go, oh, is that DeRozan dude, the guy we thought we were, we needed? Is that Lonzo Ball guy, the guy that we thought we needed that we went and got? Is Patrick Williams another year of development? Oh, did we get that pick right? Did we get that pick wrong? Like all of these things are questions that have to be answered this year. You know, I don't see that this team can win a championship. So I'm not hung up on, oh, boy, on a random Thursday, they lost to the pick the team, the Hornets, whatever. <laughs> Just tell me at the end of the season, I know my roster. I know what I've got. It's like the Bears. At the end of this year, you better know if Justin Fields is the right guy. You better know whether that's watching him at practice, whether that's watching him now as a starter or as a backup. At the end of the year, you better know what you have on your roster. It's the same thing for the Cubs. They traded their guys away because they knew we're not winning with those guys. It's just they lost 11 in a row with those guys. They weren't going to win. But at the end of the year, you better damn well know, is Adbert Alzali a guy we can count on? Is Kyle Hendricks regressing? Is it just because he's on a bad team this year? Are we building around Contreras? Is he the guy? Is Frank Schwindel part of our future? Probably not, but maybe. Same thing with the Bulls. Know your roster and then go out and make the move, whatever it is. You know, every year some superstar wants out. Anthony Davis, I want to go to L.A. Who knows? Maybe Damian Lillard at the end of this year goes, you know what, I'm out. I'm leaving Portland. I'm done. And maybe the Bulls say, well, we can make you an attractive trade. You just keep stockpiling assets. Assets allow you to be aggressive. Yeah, 100%. I think everything the the Bulls and uh, Arturis has done, I think they do have enough to work with going forward. And I know a lot of the conversation has been about they've traded away so many draft picks, but when you look at the next five seasons, I think they're, they're only missing one one of their draft picks because they were able to recoup a draft pick in that Larry Markinen trade. So that, that really worked out for them as well. Um, obviously, with all the moves that have happened, they've, they've made a lot of changes to their roster. They've gotten Zach Levine more help. Uh, player development has is, is going to happen as we get longer into uh, the tenure of the new training uh, training staff. So what would you say you're looking most forward to seeing like going into the season with this team? I want to see how they look with a point guard. I want to see how organized that offense is. I want to see, wow, look at Zach Levine. You've taken some of the load of initiating the offense and you've gotten that guy the ball in the opportunistic scoring area where you go, wow, at the end of this year, if you're going to commit 200 million or whatever the number is, 180, whatever it is, if you're going to commit that money, you better damn well know that dude is one of the 15 best players in the league. Or why are you paying him like that? Because once you make that commitment, you tie your hands. You're like, okay, this is the team. Let's roll. That's why player development is so crucial. 
to Patrick Williams to Lonzo Ball, whatever I'm going to get out of Kobe White. You have got to develop guys because you. it's not like baseball. Yeah, pay the luxury tax, and I'll just go get another. You, at some point, you can't just spend – you can't spend your way out of a bad team. You just can't. You've got to draft and develop. So at the end of this year, I want to see what a team with a pure point guard looks like. So where do you think all of that is going to lead for the Bulls? You've already mentioned that you don't see this team as a championship contender, and I don't think any Bulls fan realistically does. But I think a lot of people expect that a playoff berth would be realistic for this team. And I think, frankly, we would all be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs this season. So where do you see this team finishing in the Eastern Conference this year? If they're not a playoff team, barring catastrophic injury, of course, if they're reasonably healthy and they don't make the playoffs, that is a wild disappointment. I mean, you'll be sitting in the executive suite in Arturis or Mark's chair going, all right, hang on a second. You know, Theo Epstein said to me, a great executive is going to be right 58% of the time, 60 you are killing it, killing it. So, you know, every move you make isn't going to be the right one. But the ones that you really tie your hands with, the humongous contracts, you better be right or understand why people are going to be upset. Um, the Cubs signing Jason Hayward, that's a horrific contract. Mm-hmm. When you put your money into particular scenarios and they don't work out, you can afford to miss on a second round pick. You can afford to miss on the 23rd pick in the first round. You better not miss on the fourth pick. You better not miss on the fourth pick in the draft. So that dude has to be a really good player. You rolled the dice. You took a shot. He better be good. You can't have, he better not be Tyrus Thomas. He better not be some of the guys the Bulls have drafted that Tony Snell or whatever. Some of these guys just didn't work out. Well, when you pick them at four, you better be right. So I think it's a playoff team. I think it's like a top six seed. There's some really good teams. Brooklyn is a really good team. Milwaukee's the defending champ. Philly's a mess because of Ben Simmons, but they still have a lot of talent on that roster, and they're well coached by Doc Rivers. So, yes, I think the Bulls are a playoff team. I don't think they're a championship contender yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels like they're kind of like hodgepodge somewhere in between, like that that Knicks Hornets tier of Eastern Conference teams. I maybe Atlanta's probably Atlanta after that uh, that run last year. They're probably a little bit of a step above with like Trey Young and all that uh, depth they have. But I feel like they're probably somewhere in that like Knicks Hornets. Uh, tier of teams. I, is that fair? Yeah, I yeah. think that's a fair way to look at things. Mm. No question. Uh, again, it goes back to it's going to look like a radically different team because you never had somebody to organize your offense. And then I got to see Vucevic take another step. Mm. He's a really, really solid player. I was thrilled they made that trade because it told me they're trying to win in the short term as opposed to Hey man, we're on a five-year plan and we're, you know, we'll deal with it down the road. Like you go get a guy who's, what is he? 32 years old. Yeah. Well, you're not planning on winning with him at 37. 
you're planning on over the next couple seasons taking a big, big step. I mean, if, imagine you've got that guy down on the low block who could he could score, he could step out on the floor. You run a pick and pop situation. This guy can face up and make really intelligent decisions whether he's going to shoot the ball, whether he's going to pass the basketball. So now that's one good weapon. I got Zach Levine. That's another really good weapon. I got DeMar DeRozan. Again, not the greatest three-point shooter, but if he was, he wouldn't be here. He would never have left anywhere he's been. He's a mid-range scorer. He's a guy who can really tax a defense because he attacks all the time going to the basket. That should open things up, whether it's Vucevic and pick and pop, whether that's Zach Levine. Here's where Kobe White can play a big role coming off the bench. Hey, man, we don't need you to run the offense. We need you to be some of the offense. And then you've got a point guard who gets everybody else organized. So, yeah, I think it's got a chance to be a very enjoyable team where Salim and Edward and Cap are going to go home on a random Wednesday go, hey, we'll watch the Bulls and the Celtics tonight. Yes. Like in the past, <laughs> when Jim Boylan's on the bench and that team stinks, I watch it because, it, A, it's my job, but, B, I'm a basketball guy. I love basketball. So I'll watch but when they're, you know, 19 and 63, it's not a lot of fun. Yes. I mean, let's just be honest. So I just want to watch this team develop. Yeah, no, without a doubt, I always say that the the value of just being a decent team is coming home from a long day of work and just being able to turn on the TV and watch a competitive game that the team might win. Even if it's like a 41 and 41 team, I will gladly take that. <laughs> Right, because you know what we've had. It's like you go out. My wife has a garden in our backyard. Well, you can't put the seeds in and then in like two weeks go, hey, there's no tomatoes here yet. <laughs> no, hon, you got to water it. You got to till the garden and you got to let it develop. And that's what the bulls are. That's why Billy's got no pressure on him other than the internal pressure because he's a competitive dude. Just Make sure you water, make sure you put your fertilizer down, and then hopefully you get a beautiful crop of tomatoes or a beautiful crop of bulls. Well, and hopefully we don't get any more uh, rants from you, uh, like the Clay Thompson rant when you just when they just <laughs> let Clay score 63 points. That, that rant was <laughs> me from the heart being not only a Bulls fan, but if I was coaching – there was no chance that one of our teams, I had Kenny Battle, one of the toughest guys to ever play. Kenny Battle was a beast. And I remember we're going up against a guy who averaged 38 points a game in high school and is this huge time recruit at Central Michigan. And it was a minute and a half into the game. Battle strips him. He dunks over the top of him. He glares at him. And that guy was done for the day. And that was Dan Marley. I'm talking about a longtime NBA player. But our guys, at least they would. Clay Thompson's got how many threes at the break? Like 11. And yeah. nobody's touching him. Nobody's closing. You close out. And if you get a flagrant, you get a flagrant. I'm not saying you try and take the guy's knees out. You close out hard. Oh, sorry, I fouled him. Dude, you're not going to keep getting unmolested looks at the basket. 
It's just not going to happen. Not one dude stepped up and did that. That was my biggest problem with the mentality of the Chicago Bulls back then. And I think that's changed. 100%, 100%. Well, Cap, we always love when you join us. Uh, I really appreciate everything that you do. You're, you, you're a big part of my drive into work and, and, and getting me going at my desk in the morning with, uh, with your energy. And you and, you and Jay Hood do a great job. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, you joining us. And like I said, uh, thank you. <laughs> I greatly appreciate you. I uh, love the passion you two guys bring. We appreciate you listening. And hey, man, you got my number. Uh, use it. Whatever you need, I'm around. I like talking ball. I like talking sports. So uh, you bring passion. I try to do the same thing each and every day. So you let me know how I can ever be of help. Thank you so much, Cap, man. Thank you so much. You got it. You guys have a great weekend and go Bears. All right. Yes, sir. All right. See you guys. All right. See you guys. See you later. Uh, That was fantastic. That was great getting uh, some time in with Cap and getting his thoughts on the Bulls. Obviously, he has a big basketball background. So that was fun to, you know, just kind of chop it up with him. Uh, Edward, I want to ask you. We'll 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 start wrapping up here. But what are you, what are you looking forward to going into tra- media day and training camp, and like something that you want to see the most, uh, or were you the most excited about? Man, I, I feel like media day and training camp is always just a bunch of feel goods, and you know, it's always the like the Powerpuff quotes, and everyone's happy, everyone's getting along, and things like that. And in the past, I think that was valuable because we had so much abnormal, like abnormality in terms of like leadership from the from the top. So just having a normal training camp in a uh, media day was good. Of course, now we're dealing with the injury uh, to Patrick Williams, and as you mentioned before, it seems like we're always dealing with an early training camp injury i think it was lowry one year uh who am i forgetting of course like carlos boozer that one time and like there's always some type of injury i feel like in bulls training camp so it's just kind of tradition at this point but honestly i i feel like i'm just looking forward just to seeing all of the new faces as as generic as that sounds like it's this is an exciting time for bulls fans so seeing so many new faces seeing everyone getting along, things like that. I think that still holds value. And just seeing how, like just seeing some reports of what they're planning for in terms of rotation and lineups and things like that, it's going to be really exciting. So right now it's, it definitely feels like Christmas day where you just, you're opening all of these gifts and you're just figuring out, you know, what you're going to play with first and how it's going to be used. So uh, it should be a good time. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm looking forward to finally just seeing good basketball as well. Yeah. Um, which I think we, we will. I think we will. I, I know uh, a lot of like the national level people aren't very in on the Bulls. They don't think they'll see this working out. They they think we're going to have one of the worst defenses in the league, even though <laughs> I think they have the pieces to put together a a decent defense. And Billy Donovan's never really had a defense that's been like really bad Mm -hmm. for the most part. He's always had a defense that's been uh, at least the top half of the league. So I I think, I think the defense can be above average, like I said, and this offense has the potential to be absolutely like just unguardable at times. So, yeah, no, no, without a doubt. And I think 
regardless of how anyone feels about this Bulls team uh, this upcoming season, I don't think you can question that they significantly improved their talent level uh, in the offseason. And it's also important to remember that at one point last season, the Bulls were approaching 500 with this team. Uh, they were, what, through 38 games last year, the Bulls were 18 and 20. So just, yeah, exactly. just, just keep just keep that in mind. And I can't remember what injuries or whatnot happened afterwards because after that 18 and 20, uh, yeah, that's when things started uh, going downhill. So, yes, the Bulls were almost a 500 team uh, at the halfway point of last season. And now they've significantly increased their talent level. They have three players who legitimately are capable of being all stars. And they have a guy, Alonzo Ball, who upgrades their point guard hole I think significantly and they didn't really lose like they lost that young that's probably like the best piece they lost in terms of production but outside of that I, I can't really say that they lost anyone who you would be like oh man that's that's really really gonna hurt so uh I, I agree with Cap that I think this team is somewhere in like that six sixes seven ish uh C like Knicks Hornets tier but I don't know, barring injury, like, to me, this is a legitimate playoff team. I, I can't really, the only way I would see that is, like, injury or something like that where they don't. So, I'm buying into it. Yeah, same. Like I said, you know, they're, like I said, I, I, I think this team is going to be better than a lot of the national level media level people think. And I think the Bulls, Bulls fans are going to be excited all season, I think. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just looking, I'm just I'm just going to be say that I am looking forward to the ride. That's, that's the biggest thing. I'm just looking forward to the ride. Cause I think this is the first time in a very long time where I can confidently say that the bulls are going to be exciting. Yeah. This is, this is an entertaining team on paper. There's a lot of athleticism on paper. They are going to be able to score the ball. The talent is there. I mean, yeah, bulls fans, should be excited. The games are going to be worth watching. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's hundred percent. <laughs> well, you know that we'll, we'll wrap up here. So that that's a wrap for today's show. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can find us under the Barroom Network on all major and minor podcast platforms. Uh, thank you again to David Kaplan for joining us, and to the listeners for always tuning in. As always, for Edward Schuler and myself, till next time, Bulls fans.